Oh, hi. Hey, podcast listeners. This is Ann Malthouse, your podcaster, your blogger. It's finally election day. What are you doing? Voting? I'm not voting. I'm reading about some people talking about not voting. One of them is a commenter here on my blog who is directing his comments at me. And another is Sarah Hoyt over at Instapundent, who's speaking more generally to non-voters and saying something that I want to distance myself from. So the first person here is Tyrone Slothrop in the comments to yesterday's post, Galumping Toward the Apocalypse. He said, I'll just say this once, Altaus. Abstaining from voting is neither courageous nor principled. You don't have to love a candidate or adhere to a million percent of his political philosophy in order to vote for him. It is your duty, which you appear to wish to neglect, to decide which candidate is less bad than the other and cast your vote. Anything else is cowardly. I saw that last night but didn't respond. What's different about today? Why did I get up this morning and feel like responding? Well, maybe the fact that I just read this by Sarah Hoyt over at Instapundit, quote, Forget about his manners. Stop stomping your foot about how crass he is. And for the love of heaven, stop holding your nose up high and pretending you're too good for this. A vote for Trump is a vote for the Constitutional Republic, close quote. And I said, both Hoyt and Slothrop are saying something about us, the people who abstain. That might be true of some of us, but is not true of me. And this method of using insults to push people to vote is ugly. Are they doing it because they think it's effective? I don't yield to bullies. Are they doing it to display their own staunchness? Does it feel like humor from their side? It falls flat for me. Notice how Hoyt and Slothrop contradict each other. Slothrop appeals to my vanity as he insists that I be a good person, not cowardly and neglectful of duty. Hoyt denounces vanity and insists that I not get involved in any sense of my personal goodness. Is this about me or isn't it? I can harmonize Slothrop and Hoyt by saying that Hoyt is also appealing to my vanity because she portrays the abstainer as snooty with her nose in the air, acting like she's too good for this. Slothrop is distinctly wrong when he says voting is a duty. No, it is not. Like speaking, like religion, like getting married, Like having sexual relations, voting is a right. And a right entails the power to decline to exercise it. It is horrible to be forced to speak, forced to take on a religion, forced to get married, forced to have sex. These are loathsome impositions. Hoyt is wrong, in my case at least, to attribute a refusal to vote for Trump to taking offense at his personal style, his manners, his crassness. I happen to enjoy his personal style. You can see that if you've been reading my blog over the last five years. I love freedom of expression, and I feel that I get him. He's a New Yorker. He's a comedian. He's free and daring. I like all of that. I do have some concern about the well-being of my fellow citizens who hate him at some instinctual level. But I don't think they ought to be appeased for losing or threatening to lose their minds. Trump has his style and I have mine. If it makes you want to stomp your foot, go ahead. 
You can keep stomping your foot about how cruelly neutral I am. You're free. You've got your right, and I've got mine. Next, I see in the New York Post, elite Democrats could destroy the middle class if Biden wins in 2020 by Joel Kotkin. Quote, from March to June 2020, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, who also owns the Washington Post, which has endorsed Biden and skewed coverage in his direction, saw his wealth rise by an estimated $48 billion to an estimated $183 billion, making him easily the world's richest man. If these Democrats win both houses of Congress as well as the White House, things could get far worse for the already beleaguered middle class, which has been rocked by the pandemic with an estimated 100,000 small firms going out of business, particularly hard hit by the recent urban unrest or inner city and minority businesses. So this suggests that um, the Democrats are the least beneficial to the middle class and that they're dominated by these super rich people who are doing well, doing well in the lockdown. Clearly Amazon did well during the lockdown. Um, are the Democrats beholden to Bezos and others? Well, I mean, I read the Washington Post. There's something sort of ridiculous about the Washington Post, isn't it? Jeff Bezos, $183 billion. Wow. Next post is um, look at how the Pennsylvania Post, how, how the Pennsylvania polls ended. And I show you the chart that has a line for Biden and a line for Trump in Pennsylvania. The Biden line has been on top the whole time and separated with uh, Biden up around uh, 49 or 50 and Trump around uh, 45. But just in the end, the the two lines come together like sort of like pincers. Trump is still at the bottom, but there's a steep rise for Trump in the end. Is Trump going to win Pennsylvania? I do think Pennsylvania will determine the outcome. Perhaps it all depends on how black people in Philadelphia feel today. The weather's good today. It's good all over the country. I think uh, the outcome might be determined by how many black people feel motivated to come out and vote for Biden. Um, it's hard to know. Hard to know. Well, we'll find out. Meade voted today. He was second in line. He took a picture of uh, the machine where you insert your ballot. He didn't take a picture of his ballot. He took a picture of uh, the machine that you, that you enter your ballot on, and it shows you the number, and he was two. He wasn't first in, at his polling place, but he was second. He arrived about a half hour before the polling place opened. I was out doing my sunrise run, but I drove past the polling place on my way home. Didn't see many people. I think this is a neighborhood where people would tend to vote early, so the open spaces don't mean lack of excitement and are, of course, good for resisting COVID. By voting early, I mean voting by mail. Uh, so I think a lot of people voted by mail. There are a lot of people in this neighborhood who are older people, um, affluent people, basically, but uh, so wouldn't they have voted by mail? I think the people that were down around the polling place when it opened were younger people, were very close to the university, University of Wisconsin, and maybe they looked like students. There's some apartment buildings sort of close to here, so they'd be in our district, our precinct, or polling, whatever, polling place. I don't know how small 
the unit is that counts as the place where you go vote. We vote at the Unitarian, not the Unitarian Church. We vote at the um, Congregational Church down uh, down close to the to the football stadium. So you can see what that looked like. I'm not voting. My husband voted. My dear husband. Here, uh, you might remember in yesterday's podcast, I talked about something in Axios called Scoop, Trump's plan to declare premature victory. And in that, Trump was treated as though he was doing something wrong to declare premature, to declare early victory. This strategic move was portrayed as premised on false and baseless claims. But then today, they have, a, they have another column beginning with scoop, scoop Biden's plan to assert control. And it seems to be just the same idea of asserting that you've won early for strategic advantage. But when Biden does it, it's presented as wise. Axios seems to invent the concept of the mathematical president-elect as it treats Biden's plan to declare early victory as wise when just yesterday it treated the same plan from Trump as devilish and deceitful. Axios says, if news organizations declare Joe Biden as the mathematical president-elect, he plans to address the nation as its new leader, even if President Trump continues to fight in court. Biden advisors learned the lesson of 2000 when Al Gore hung back while George W. Bush declared victory in that contested election, putting the Democrat on the defensive while Bush acted like the winner. So if Biden is declared the winner, he'll begin forming his government and looking presidential and won't yield to doubts Trump might try to sow. So I think it's very funny that Axios had a piece one day after another piece, both beginning with scoop. Uh, Scoop, Trump's plan to declare premature victory and scoop, Biden plans to assert control. Um, Like he's a real leader by claiming to have won the election, whereas uh, Trump is a scoundrel for claiming to have won. Come on, that's a little hypocritical. Axios treated Trump as though he'd be doing something wrong to declare victory early. This strategic move was portrayed as premised on false and baseless claims. But when Biden has the same strategic plan, it's presented as wise and a defense against doubts Trump might try to sow. Now, I assume Axios would defend itself by saying the two plans are different. Trump's purported plan is to say that he would win on election night. Trump's purported plan is to say the election night count should predominate and we should be suspicious of whatever gets counted later. It's expected that more Trump supporters will vote in person on election day and more Biden supporters mailed in their votes. So that's why it's strategic for him to claim victory based on whatever the vote is tonight, election night, and to minimize the meaning of the things that get counted later or to cast a doubt on them. Biden's plan is based on something that news organizations declare that Biden is the mathematical present president-elect, the mathematical president-elect. I think we can expect news organizations to declare things that help Biden. And what exactly is this math? Is it something like the number of uncounted ballots and an assumption about the proportion of these ballots that should go for Biden? 
let's say Biden is behind by 1,000 votes in Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania makes the difference in who wins the Electoral College, and there are 50,000 uncounted mail-in votes from Philadelphia. Joe Biden is the mathematical president-elect, right? Is that the idea? I'm just guessing. Axios uses the term mathematical president-elect, but doesn't define it. I'm Googling this term, and everything just gets me back to this Axios usage. I'm so skeptical. Trump will only be making baseless claims, but Biden will be relying on experts and math. And uh, I said, here's a good source of percentages for you, your expert news organizational mathematics. And this is a tweet from Eli Yockley, at, uh, who says, our first round of exit polling, taking a look at voters who've already cast their ballots. And so then you see um, some percentages, right? You can see that uh, 57 if, if this exit polling is true, um, the, they have determined who the early voters were. So it's an exit poll of early voters. So if we could um, say they're, they're predominantly female, 57% over male, 43%, then that's a basis for coming up with some percentage of why you think there are more Biden votes than Trump votes in the mailed-in votes. So let's say if you needed to find 1,000 votes in a state and you had 100,000 mail-in votes that hadn't been counted yet, you could, by math, in other words, you could estimate that the 1,000 extra votes for Biden would be in there because the, you, you would only need slightly more Biden votes than Trump votes for the mail-in votes to make the difference. And so then the news organizations could declare Trump the mathematical president-elect, something like that. And I said, uh, you know, a lot of people might think mathematical, then their mind just shuts off. They don't want to even uh, think of needing to do it do the math themselves. So if experts come on and purport to have figured something out mathematically, a lot of people will just be like, duh, I was told there would be no math. And I embedded the little, I said, the mathematicians are there to protect you in case you were counting on there being no math. And I give you a little um, a SNL clip from, I guess it had to, would have had to have been back in 1976 when uh, Chevy Chase was the impersonator of Gerald Ford, and Dan Aykroyd impersonated Jimmy Carter. And a, qu a difficult question involving numbers is asked of Gerald Ford, and Chevy Chase, not really seeming at all like Gerald Ford, but seeming pretty funny, says, uh, I, was, uh, I, was, I, I had the understanding that there would be no math. So that's a memorable old thing about math. I, yeah, I had to look that up. I thought, you know, who was the first person to say it was my, I, I, under, I, 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 I was counting on there being no math, or I understood that there would be no math. That's sort of a catchphrase that I've heard a million times, but who started that? I think who started that was Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live, and it was fun to go back and look at that. There's, that clip is worth watching, too, because it has Lily Tomlin in it, as well as Jane Curtin, and uh, they're asking the questions while the men 
act like the uh, the sort of dumb presidential candidates. Those seem like in more innocent times, don't they, when Saturday Night Live didn't try too hard to imitate anybody, right? Like Dan Aykroyd is imitating Carter, and he, he has a big mustache. But doesn't matter. What doesn't matter? We know. We say that Car- he's Carter, he's Carter. We say uh, Chevy Chase is Ford, he's, he's Ford. We don't have a lot of... Uh, face prostheses and um, other other gimmicks of impersonation. I don't know, do you listen to Ben Shapiro's podcast? I listen to him sometimes. I like his staccato fast talking. It's kind of impressive. Um, but I, I, so I follow him on Twitter and I, I found this funny. It made, it made me laugh out loud, so. That was good. That made that pushed me over the line that I should embed this on the on the uh, blog. It's just uh, one question. The important thing is that we all had fun, didn't we? And I thought that why is that funny? Well, you can you can diagnose our sense of humor over here at Mead House by knowing that we laughed a lot at that and thought it was quite funny that we all had fun. Fun is the one thing that money can't buy, said the Beatles. Do you think about fun? I think Trump is fun. Well, we kind of did have fun, except the people had a horrible time. Uh, there was a lot of fun not ha- have. Ha- <laughs> a lot of fun not had. <laughs> Why am I laughing? It's been so unfun. What with the COVID-19 and the feeling that Trump is Hitler and uh, the riots and um, the awful huge collection of Democrats we had to sift through only to get down to Joe Biden, the worst, most implausible candidate for president I've seen in my lifetime. It's just absurd, his age, his inability, his seeming uh, open questions of corruption that are left, uh, and the sense that he isn't, they're just dragging him across the finish line. And in the end, we're going to have Kamala Harris voiced it on her after never choosing her, never choosing her at all. Um, I think it's absurd. So, uh, you know, I'm abstaining. I think either outcome is, um, well, maybe it's what we deserve as Americans. Maybe maybe somehow we failed. But uh, And I really think, uh, is it going to be better in four years? Somehow these ridiculous two parties will get it together and come up with something better. Well, maybe, maybe they will. Um, I, oh, here's this Lincoln Project. I'm not a fan of the Lincoln Project, but boy, they put up an ad. Good morning today. Good morning. Today is the first day of the rest of America's life. And it's voiced by, voiced by the narrator, the voiceover on this little uh, video is um, Martin Sheen, if you're a fan of Martin Sheen. Um, it's, it's so corny. It's so um, saccharine. You know, it's so, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could do Reagan's Morning in America again? But it's so empty of any content. It shows images, sunrises. And I, at one point, and I made this the post title, there's a point in this video where I said out loud, that's what a Hitler ad would look like. Now, obviously, a Hitler ad wouldn't say America, but, uh, you know, just make the necessary changes. And the style of the ad is the style that would be thoroughly appropriate for, for Hitler, just showing 
images. And the point at which I said that is when there's a big child face filling the entire screen. I found that loathsome. Not because I find children loathsome. Children are the opposite of loathsome. Most of the time, sometimes they're a little awful, but basically it's the use of children and the exploitation of our emotions, the use of our feeling about children to just connect us to something else. The child in question who's been photographed has no idea what he's being used for. The exploitation of the child is just entirely cynical. It's, it shows a, a low opinion of the voter. It shows that they think that we're morons, that we're just bundles of nerves. And a lot of the time we act like that is all we are. You know, all of this hysteria, all of this rioting, um, we've, we've lost it. We, we've lost this election. All is lost. And yet I still feel optimistic. I don't know why. I feel pretty much good, and I don't know why. Somehow we'll get out of this. Somehow we'll be saved. I don't know how or why. Why would that be so? Well, don't look to pol politics for salvation. Maybe, maybe go on a, 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 a cold turkey from politics. Leave politics behind. That's all I can think. Well, I'm abstaining, but I'm definitely watching. I'm not abstaining like I'll have nothing to do with politics. I'm above it all. You know, the snooty nose in the air concept that I reject. Um, I don't think I'm too good for it. I just think it's unhealthy and sick. And it's not like I don't say the other side is sick and my side is healthy. I think that's an aspect of sickness. So I think the healthiest position would be to recognize the sickness that's all over. The, the little dog Zeus just came into the room and he's given me a look. So if you hear a sound of dog toenails on hardwood, that would be our friend Zeus, who is staring at the door and hoping I'll come over and open the door. And you might hear him whimper, because that's, that's how, there he goes, that's how he elevates it. When he, he, first he looks at the door, he stands there like a low table and looks at the door, like he thinks mind control will open the door, because that often happens. But if, uh, if I don't go over and open the door, he'll, um, he'll escalate to whimpering. He's been out many times, in and out, in and out, one way or the other. Pick one. There's just one more item on the blog, and that's Trump's little pimp gaffe. I didn't even know about this rap artist, Lil Pump, but... Hey, could you wait a minute? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I can see the hope. The hope that you feel, wagging your tail, calling out. He's not suffering. He's just trying to go out one more time. In and out, in and out. Anyway, Trump very clearly referred to Lil Pump as Little Pimp. It's Lil, it's not Little. So he was pronouncing it extra clearly and somehow getting, maybe that led him to overpronounce Pump and go right to pimp, or you know, what what's more on Trump's mind, pimping or pumping? I would I would assume pumping. So why not say pump? Hey, could you wait a minute? I'm almost done. We're getting to the end of this election day podcast, but I just need to tell you a couple more things about Little Pimp. One is that uh, I looked it up, and there really was a movie called Little Pimp, not Little Pimp, but Little Pimp. Right? Trump said Little Pimp, 
and the artist's name is Lil Pump. But I found this movie, and I was kind of grossed out by it. It looked really atrocious. Little Pimp, where there's this little, white, red-headed, freckle-faced boy. Uh, oh. Hey, is that right? Shh, keep quiet for just more. Oh, man. be having barking in the podcast um and uh if you think oh althaus is pretending to have a dog that would have wouldn't that have been a great a great imitation of yeah i have a dog here in the house <laughs> didn't i do a good job with that almost as good a job as um dan Aykroyd imitating jimmy carter but anyway there is this movie an animated movie that has lil kim in it and uh, she's playing a prostitute, and we see her. I put a little screenshot from the movie. It looked really bad, but uh, the little kid somehow becomes a pimp, a little white boy. And then there's a lot of, you know, just uh, urban slang in it that's really into. I don't know who that is supposed to appeal to, but um, it just makes me. Speaking of everything's in decline, and how can we? retain our optimism uh the idea that there is this movie little pimp about a little boy who becomes a pimp and a a prostitute who looks like she's kind of his friend uh i don't like to think about that the sexualizing of children don't do it and also the fawning uh, the the sort of i don't know the racialism of it is is something i find very very unfortunate Anyway, as for Lil Pump himself, I'd never heard of him, but I read his Wikipedia page and watched the video he made with Kanye West, I Love It, which I wouldn't embed on the blog because the lyrics include the N-word. I don't, I'm not, I don't put that on the blog. If I'm driving in my car and a song is on the radio and that word is in it, I always change the station. I'm, I'm not interested in going over the arguments for why some people can use the word while other people must never, ever, ever use the word. In my view, whatever, I I think it's unusable. I know I'm in the category that can never, ever use it. But if I interface with it at all, I just get out of there. I get out of the way. But I did, I got to say, make an exception and listen to this video. I love it because it had some artistic quality to, to it, even though it had a lot of content that made me just feel bad. I mean, it was sort of comically making fun of sexual desire. And it has some really amazing costumes that are a little bit reminiscent of the David Byrne Talking Heads big suit costume. It's a giant blocky costume. And so I think the men are making fun of themselves. I I hope they are. Or making fun of sex or making sex seem ridiculous and funny. And and, uh, there is some sense to that. There's some artistic reason to to do that. I think this video was made, if I am, if Wikipedia has it right, I think the video was made for um, the Pornhub awards show that Kanye West was involved in. But, uh, you know, there must be a lot of money out there to pay stars and get them to do things that are like this. You know, I don't know what Kanye West in his Christian phase thinks about this old Thing that he did, but uh, he's pushing uh, high virtue and Christianity now. So low, high, you know, 
I think people who go very low and very high can be especially good participants in the artistic culture. I don't, I don't condemn any of that, but um, I'm more of a moderate. I'm a moderate. I'd like things to be beautiful and optimistic and good. Maybe that's what Kanye West is doing now. Gotta say, I'm not following it. Lil Pump, I don't know what he's up to, but he did appear on stage yesterday with Trump. And um, from what I read at his Wikipedia page, he's for Trump just because he's made a lot of money and he doesn't want to pay a lot of taxes. You know, a lot of these stars who seem to all just knee-jerk be for Biden, some of them peel off, but it looks like they peel off and are for Trump just because they don't like the taxation. Well, at least it's a little honest. You know, get a little honesty in there. There's always possibly at least some some value to that. Anyway, I've come to the end of my posts run today, so I just want to sign off with some statement related to the fact that tonight's the big night where we at least close the polls, close things up, and get down to counting. I wonder what it'll be tonight. I, do you think it'll be like in uh, 20... 16, when we got such a big surprise. 2016 was so weird. And I was so sure I was just sitting down to watch Hillary win that I didn't really see the details of how it played out over the night. I didn't really fully experience it. Also, I get tired, so I just want to go to bed. At some point, I'll, and it's not that late because, you know, I get up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., if I can stay asleep longer, 4 a.m. But so I, I'm sure to fall asleep and and just the, I, I sleep seems more attractive than all of these other things, even though I've been waiting years to get to this big result. But back in 2016, I feel like I watched it, but I also missed it. And so something I have done multiple times, maybe more than anybody else, is go to YouTube and get the video of one of the network's um, coverage, like hours-long coverage from election night in 2016 and just re-watch it so that I can see how the opinion developed, how they gradually got their idea that uh, Trump was going to win, how that gradually manifested itself. I've rewatched that maybe 10 times. I've also watched these montages that show the opinion uh, changing very quickly. So I wonder if something like that will go on tonight. Uh, 2004 was a little bit like that too. I sat down that night thinking I was going to watch Carrie win. And uh, I, in fact, I got so um, oblivious to what was actually happening that I was uh, talking to my sister on the phone and uh, we were gabbing away and I had the TV going with the sound off. And at some point I was like, hey, it looks like uh, Bush is actually gonna win this thing. And uh, when did that happen? How did that develop? It was very strange. So um, I guess I've blogged um, through uh, 04, 08, 16, 04, uh, 12 and 16. That's four. I've, this is, I've done four elections during the period that I've been blogging. And two of the four have been a night of huge surprises, just completely blindsided. I thought I knew what was going to happen, and that didn't happen. So tonight, I'm kind of prepared. I think it's as likely as not that uh, something weird will happen. And, and the weird, I think the weird thing is that Trump will win. Um, could something weirder happen? Uh, I don't know, I don't know. I'm prepared for weird and I'm gonna watch it 
We're going to watch it calmly from my sort of aloof position. You might, somebody said in the comments, uh, if you don't vote for somebody, then it's not as fun, it's not as engaging to watch the results come in. But that's not true for me. I really am very engaged. I'm not distanced and aloof. I'm very engaged. I've been watching this election develop every day, every single day. I've probably blogged. I, I, I know I've blogged every day, but I've probably blogged about the election every day for the whole past four years, I think. I think started blogging about the next election even before uh, the old one ended. But uh, so I, I have been very involved. And you might think that's very weird not to vote if you're that involved. But I'm so involved that I can't pick. You know, it's a little bit like picking your favorite child. I have two children. I don't say that one is my favorite over the other. Do you? Um, maybe some people do that about their children. Do you have a favorite child? That's another topic. I was told, um, I was quite old when I was told this, uh, maybe over 50 years old, when I was told probably by my sister, that she, there's that dog out there barking, uh, that she thought um, I was my father's favorite. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't have any awareness of that. So if parents have a favorite, they shouldn't, uh, maybe shouldn't say it. Some parents do. Hey, don't you think that Trump has um, uh, became his father's favorite, that the older son, Fred, was designated to be the favorite, and Trump uh, made himself the favorite by performing better. Um, I don't know about Biden, other than to say, I think it's clear that he had two sons, and that one was the good one, one was the better one, and the one that died was the better one. So, um, you know, you can't, did he have a favorite? Did the favorite one die? Do you have a favorite? In any case, as for our two candidates, do I have a favorite? If I do, I'm not going to say because I'm trying to be a good blogger, like a good parent, and to treat them both fairly. Now, it might seem to some people that I've been favorable to Trump and been unusually mean to Biden, but that's only because, I will assert, well, I won't say it's only because, but for the most part, it's because the media, which I is what I'm blogging. I'm blogging from the news stories. The media are so biased in favor of Trump, just like I was talking about Axios in this podcast. They're so biased that I need that that my natural operation causes me to rebalance it. I'm trying to get things back into balance. So that causes that to happen. I have to also say that um I I like Trump's style of expression, and I have really enjoyed that. That's disconnected from whether I like the various policies that he's choosing, but I do think that he's done a great job with the keeping us out of foreign wars and with some of those other things like that. So I, I think uh, he has done a lot. It's been grossly overshadowed by the COVID crisis, the pandemic, so all of that was taken away. I think if it weren't for the pandemic, he clearly would have won, wouldn't he? I think he clearly would have won if it weren't for the pandemic. Now, I think if he wins, it'll probably because, be because of Pennsylvania and because of that one atrocious gaffe that 
Biden made during the last debate when he made it sound as though he would get rid of the oil industry and get rid of fracking. And Trump, Trump in real time at that debate saw this is big. He seized upon it immediately and created a lot of pressure about that. And then he's uh, campaigned like mad in Pennsylvania telling them about this. Uh, so he made the most of that gap. He, he did all he could. So if he loses, he loses because of the COVID and not because he didn't work hard enough to try to win and not because he didn't rack up some accomplishments. So if he, we'll see what happens. Tomorrow, maybe I'll be sitting here in front of this microphone doing the next podcast and uh, we'll know something. Maybe we won't know that much. Maybe it'll all come down to those, to the counting of additional ballots and fighting in courts like we did. Let's twist again like we did last summer. Let's litigate again like we did uh, 20 autumns ago.